So people assume uh, we are just going back uh, to the good old world which we had um, and everything will be normal again in how we are used to normal in the old fashion. This is, uh, let's say, fiction. It will not happen. We have put together, I think, the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics. Now, when you see people and look at the films in China and South Korea, whatever, everybody's wearing a mask. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. You're sure of it? Because people are listening really no, closely to this. Right now, people should not be walking. There's no reason to be walking around with a mask. When you're in the middle of an outbreak, wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better, and it might even block a, a droplet. But it's not providing the perfect protection that people think that it is. And often, there are unintended consequences. People keep fiddling with the mask and they keep touching their face. The key to New York City. When you hear those words, I want you to imagine the notion that because someone's vaccinated, they can do all the amazing things that are available in this city. You can open the door, but if you're unvaccinated, unfortunately, you will not be able to participate in many things. That's the point we're trying to get across. It's time for people to see vaccination as literally necessary to living a good and full and healthy life. It will require vaccination for workers and customers in indoor dining, in indoor fitness facilities, indoor entertainment facilities. This is going to be a requirement. Welcome back to another episode of the Prepper Recon Podcast. Hey, Preppers and Patriots. Today's show is a heavy one. The entire nation is divided over this topic, including the church. But I'm going to lay out the case today of why I will not take the COVID vaccine. Before we dive into today's show... I want to mention something. Those of you who've visited the website lately may have noticed that I no longer have the Medterra CBD oil banner at the top of PrepperRecon.com. During Gay Pride Month, Medterra announced that they would be donating a portion of their profits to LGBT groups. Obviously, I can no longer participate in their program. I started looking for another CBD supplier for myself and my family. As most of you know, I deal with persistent shoulder pain and just have those general aches from keeping up a homestead. CBD oil helps a lot. Since the Medterra letdown, I've switched to Joy Organics. Unlike Medterra, Joy Organics has not entered the fight to force perversion on our society like Medterra. Also, uh, unlike Medterra, Joy Organics is 100% organic. The tincture I bought from Joy Organics is cleaner and every bit as effective at relieving my aches and pains. Plus, they offer much better discounts and specials than any other CBD company that I've found. Currently, they're offering 30% off when you go to PrepperRecon.com, click the banner at the top of the page, and use discount code JOYFUL at checkout. 30% off is a huge savings and it won't last, so head on over to PrepperRecon and click through to Joy Organics today. Now, back to the show. 
Over the last few months, we've heard so many doctors and healthcare professionals coming out to speak about the dangers of the various COVID vaccines. I'm going to list a few of them, but their numbers are in the hundreds. I'm going to play a short clip from an interview back in June with Dr. Peter McCullough. Dr. McCullough has been on the front lines of COVID, working with early treatment, things like hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, and those kinds of things. All of those treatments were proven effective through actual use, but they've been suppressed. Why? Because you can't get the emergency authorization for a vaccine that is, that's not been approved by the FDA if an effective treatment exists. Here's the clip. Trying to get to this public health message that can really get the public health attention. So I think it was about a week ago, Harvey Risch and I appeared on Fox News, and Harvey Risch did describe the vignette of the woman who got the vaccine and breastfeeding and it killed the baby. Uh, today, um, uh, we have 800 cases of young people developing myocarditis or inflammation yeah. of the heart. Mm -hmm. And because I'm a cardiologist, I have a good clinical authority position here. And, um, and you, you know, I, I'm going to opine that because there's uh, no clinical benefit whatsoever in young people to get the vaccine, that even one case is too many. And the CDC, you know, distributed their slides today. And their conclusion is, well, we're going to reevaluate again a little bit later on in June. So our agencies have done nothing to reduce the risks of the vaccine. It's called risk mitigation. And I've chaired uh, over two dozen data safety monitoring boards for the FDA and the National Institutes of Health. And uh, with this program, th there, uh, there is no uh, critical event committee. There is no data safety monitoring board and there's no human ethics committee. Those structures are mandatory for all large clinical investigations. And so the word that's really used for what's going on is malfeasance, is wrongdoing by those in position of authority. And without any safety um, measures in place, uh, you can see what's going on. We're administering uh, the, the um, basically it's the largest application of um, a biological product with the greatest amount of morbidity and mortality in the history of our country. We, we are at over 5,000 deaths, as you know, uh, I think 15,000 hospitalizations in the EU, it's over 10,000 deaths. We are working with uh, uh, Center for Medicaid, Medicaid Services, CMS data, and we have a pretty good lead that the real number is tenfold is tenfold. We knew from data from Harvard uh, in 2016 that the vaccine event, reverse event reporting system only reports about 10% of what's really going on. So we had to get another data source and we have uh, inside people. We have uh, now uh, a whistleblower inside the CMS and we have a whistle, two whistleblowers within the CDC. And, and those are being developed uh, uh, right now um, in order to get this out. So we're looking at 10x we think we have 50,000 dead Americans, 50,000. Um, so we actually have more deaths due to the vaccine per day than certainly the, the viral illness uh, by far. It's, it's basically, in a sense, it's propagandized bioterrorism by injection. Yeah. So what you just heard is that according to whistleblowers inside the CDC and other government agencies, the real number of deaths due to the vaccine are over 50,000 in the United States alone. Now, whether you want to take Dr. McCullough at his word or not, I'm going to walk you through the process of downloading 
the current reported deaths and injuries from the Health and Human Services website. You'll need Microsoft Excel or some other program like OpenOffice to view the spreadsheet. Go to your computer and type directly into the address bar, vares.hhs.gov. So that's V-A-E-R-S dot As you may have guessed, this is the official government website for reporting vaccine adverse events. The center tab on the menu says VAERS data. So I want you to click that. Now scroll to the bottom of the page, check the box, and click Download VAERS data. That's going to take you to a new page, and you'll scroll down to the grid, go to the second box for 2021, which is labeled CSV file VAERS data. Click that. You'll have to enter a CAPTCHA code, then click download. As you can see, the government, the government is offering the information, but they're not exactly making it easy to access. When you open the file, expect it to take a while. This spreadsheet has lots of data. The one I just downloaded had 437,299 cases. Each one of those cases are someone who has either died or has been injured by the vaccine. If you want to read every case, it's going to take a long time. Now comes the fun part. Like I said, they don't make it easy. If you're in Excel, click the magnifying glass icon at the top right side of your spreadsheet. To find all the people who died, you'll have to do multiple searches because they haven't used a standardized term. So first, let's try typing deceased into the search box. Okay, I got 426 cells of people listed as deceased. Next, let's try death and then click Find All. And we get 3,762. Now, once you've done a search, you can scroll and click each one of those cases to get the specifics of that person's death. You may have to move the search box around a little bit to be able to view the details. The long explanation will be written out in the top dialog box. So let's click one of these. Okay, line item... 1879 says, Syncopal episode, arrested, CPR, death. Let's try another one. Death on 1-31-2021, multiple comorbidities. So we have a total of 4,188 people when we add our numbers from the deceased, deceased search and our death search. Let's try expired. Okay, so we get another 1,640 cells. The first one I click says, resident found unresponsive without pulse, respirations at 0430, CPR performed, expired at 0452 by rescue. The next one I click said the vaccine was expired. So to pick out how many of those 1,640 cells are talking about the person expired versus the vaccine is expired would take some time. But what we know is 
the number of people killed by this vaccine, according to the official HHS government website, is well north of 4,188. So let's try some other searches. I had a family member who had an intracranial aneurysm 10 days after getting the jab. She lived, but she was in a coma for weeks. Let's see if anyone listed on VAERS had an aneurysm. Let's type that into the box, click Find All, and we get 1,028 results. Now let's narrow that down to see how many of them were intracranial aneurysms. So we'll just type in intracranial in front of aneurysm and click Find All once more. All right, so there's 13 people listed as having intracranial aneurysms in the, the VAERS uh, data spreadsheet. Now, this family member completely rejects the notion that the vaccine caused her aneurysm. So do all of the many, many doctors and healthcare professionals who treated her during her extensive stay in the hospital and follow-up visits since her release. Think about that. 1,028 aneurysms have been reported to VAERS despite the fact that nearly no one in the industry believes that they were caused by the vaccine. What would that number be if doctors and nurses were allowed to think critically without having their livelihood jeopardized? So I have another family member who developed a mass on her ovary after the vaccine. After the vaccine. In all fairness, she was having some issues prior to the jab, but never had an MRI to check for a mass. But for the sake of science, let's just see how many people listed in VAERS have had problems concerning their ovaries. So it's 333. One even says two masses on right ovary. Let's move on. I have another family member who began having eye problems after the shot. She lost part of her vision. Let's type in vision loss. All right, so we get 244 cases uh, when we type in vision loss and click find all. And uh, let's see, my sister's friend was paralyzed in his arm. So let's put in paralysis. Wow, 1,390 results for paralysis. We keep hearing about people having heart problems after, after the vaccine. Let's try cardiac arrest. All right, 695 cases. So I think you're starting to get the picture here. I'm sure all of you have heard of people developing health problems after the shot. Try typing in the symptom the symptoms to the spreadsheet and see how many other cases have been reported. So all of these findings are not something we heard on some far-right news show or heard from a fringe conspiracy nut. You and I did the research together. No one can tell you that this information isn't true. This is your research. So why isn't the media covering this information? Why are doctors, senators, and healthcare professionals being banned from Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and many other platforms for discussing official data from an official government website? I don't know why, but it's absolutely happening. I'm going to play another clip for you. This one is from a school board meeting in Mount Vernon, Indiana. Take a listen. Dr. Dan Stock, uh, 5777 West 7 North McCordsville, Indiana. 
Um, to, to address your comment about, gee, it's hard to believe we're 18 months into this and still having a problem, and I would suggest the reason we still have a problem is because we're doing things that are not useful, and we're getting our sources of information from the Indiana State Board of Health and the CDC, who actually don't bother to read science before they do this. Um, I'm actually a functional family medicine physician. That means I am specially trained in immunology and inflammation regulation. And everything being recommended by the CDC and the State Board of Health is actually contrary to all the rules of science. So things you should know about coronavirus and all other respiratory viruses, they are spread by aerosol particles, which are small enough to go through every mask. By the way, the literature that supports all of that is in a flash drive that we presented to you. It's been given to the secretary. As a matter of fact, it quotes at least three studies sponsored by the NIH to that exact fact, even though the CDC and the NIH have chosen to, to ignore the very science that they paid to have done. Um, that is why you keep struggling with this, is because you cannot make these viruses go away. The natural history of all respiratory viruses is that they circulate all year long, waiting for the immune system to get sick through the winter or become deranged, as has happened recently with these vaccines, and then they cause symptomatic disease. Because they cannot be filtered out, and they have animal reservoirs, and this is a very important point, no one can make this virus go away. The CDC has managed to convince everybody that we can handle this like we did smallpox, where we could make a virus go away. Smallpox had no animal reservoirs. The only thing it learned to infect was humans. That's why we were able to make that virus go away. That will not happen with this any more than it will with influenza, the common cold, respiratory syncytial virus, adenoviral respiratory syndromes, or anything else that has animal reservoirs. So the reason you can't do this is because you're trying to do something which has already been tried and can't be done. Equally important is that vaccination changes none of this, especially with this vaccine. And I would hope this board would start asking itself before it considers taking the advice of the CDC, the NIH, and the State Board of Health, why we are doing things about this that we didn't do for the common cold, influenza, or respiratory syncytial virus. And then ask yourself, why is a vaccine that is supposedly so effective having a breakout in the middle of the summer when respiratory viral syndromes don't do that? And to help you understand that, you need to know the condition that is called antibody-mediated viral enhancement. That is a condition done when vaccines work wrong, as they did in every coronavirus study done in animals on coronaviruses after the SARS uh, outbreak and done in respiratory syncytial virus, where a vaccine used in a vulnerable individual done the wrong way, which why it cannot be done right for a respiratory virus, which has a very low pathogenicity rate, causes the immune system to actually fight the virus wrong and let the virus become worse than it would with native infection. And that is why you are seeing an outbreak right now. In fact, in that flash drive you're going to have coming to you and in the emails with six extra, will be a study showing that 75% of people who had COVID-19 positive symptom cases in Barnstable, Massachusetts outbreak were fully vaccinated. Therefore, there is no reason for treating any person vaccinated any differently than any person unvaccinated. You should also know that no vaccine, even the ones I support and would give to myself and my children, ever stops infection. In 2014, there was outbreak of mumps in the National Hockey League. The only people who came down the symptoms were the people who were unvaccinated or unknown vaccine status. Boy, that sounds like a great argument for vaccines. But a question that you should ask yourself, knowing that half of the people who came down with symptomatic disease had no contact with an unvaccinated or unknown vaccine status individual, where did they get the disease? And the answer was from the vaccinated individuals. No vaccine prevents you from getting infection. You get infected, you shed pathogen. This is especially true of viral respiratory pathogens. You just don't get symptomatic from it. 
So you cannot stop spread. You cannot make these numbers that you've planned on get better by doing any of the things you're doing because that is the nature of viral respiratory pathogens. And you can't prevent it with a vaccine because they don't do the very thing you're wanting them to do. And you will be chasing this the remainder of your life until you recognize that the Center for Disease Control and the Indiana State Board of Health are giving you very bad scientific guidance. And instead, read the articles that are going to come on the email and are on this flash drive and listen to the people in this audience here tonight who actually have recognized the advice they are getting from the CDC and the NIH is counterfactual. And that's why you're still fighting this with this vaccine that supposedly was going to make all of this go away, but has suddenly managed to make an outbreak of COVID-19 develop in the middle of the summer when vitamin D levels are at their highest. By the way, the other thing that would be necessary, any vaccine restriction to be considered is if there were no other treatment available. And I can tell you, having treated over 15 COVID-19 patients, that between active loading with vitamin D, ivermectin, and zinc, that there is not a single person who has come anywhere near the hospital. And we already have studies that show that if you achieve a 25-hydroxy vitamin D level greater than 55, your risk of COVID-19 death will drop down to one quarter of the population average for the United States. And there are active treatment trials included on that flash drive that show the same is true. So if you were going to discriminate based upon vaccine, you should also discriminate based upon 25-hydroxy vitamin D level, zinc taste test response, and probably previous infections, since there are also studies on that flash drive that show that people who have recovered from COVID-19 infection actually get no benefit from vaccination at all, no reduction in symptoms, no reduction in hospitalization, and suffer two to four times the rate of side effects if they are subsequently vaccinated. Therefore, the policies that you are basing on are totally counterfactual. I don't blame this board for that because I know you aren't scientists and you've thought it was reasonable to listen to the CDC, NIH, and the Indiana State Board of Health. But I would encourage that instead you listen to the people out here in this audience and read what's on that data drive. And if anybody here in this board has any questions about anything on that, I will happily come back and sit with you individually if you would like to explain the science behind this. And if you're worried about being sued by somebody because you don't follow the guidance of the CDC and the NIH, I will tell you have a free pro bono expert testimony at your disposal. I will testify in defense of this board, turning down all these recommendations for free at any time in any court. Thank you. Thank you. So I originally heard this last clip on YouTube, and it was up for less than a day because hundreds and hundreds of doctors and healthcare professionals are being censored for questioning the official narrative. Why? Well, Dr. Michael Yeadon, who serves at served as the vice president of Pfizer, believes that the vaccine could potentially be a depopulation weapon. Many doctors like Dolores Cahill and Dr. Sherry Tenpenny believe that we could see a massive die-off of the global population as vaccinated people begin to develop antibody-dependent enhancement. Toxicity and cardiotoxicity are problems with the vaccine that concerned Dr. Robert Malone, the inventor of mRNA technology. But does coming up with the science that, that they used to create this vaccine, does that give him credibility with the government or mainstream media? Absolutely not. Dr. Malone has been banned and censored for speaking out against the vaccine, just like all of the other experts. Here's what he had to say about the risks and how the government is attempting to obscure the data. So, so yeah, we got you. So can we, um, so about, is it toxic to put spike protein into a human being? 
So everything's relative. Uh, spike has toxicities. The native spike is clearly has toxicities. That's part of what drives the COVID disease. Every drug or vaccine is toxic at some level in some percent of people. And there's pretty clear evidence that the spike protein expressed from vaccines is causing toxicity in a small subset of patients. The question is how big is that subset and how bad and broad are those toxicities? And the honest truth is we don't know. And furthermore, there's a lot of signs that that information is being withheld from us. So how does ho, it Ho, 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 hang, yeah. hang, 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 drop bombs all the time. What do you mean being withheld from us? Ali Veshi just said at MSNBC, we're, you know, the dirty dozen's the problem, the misinformation is the problem, the Surgeon General is the problem, Dr. Malone, the inventor of this, he's now the problem because he's gone rogue. What do you mean, how do you back up the fact that you think they're holding back information? What, 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 how, what do you cite and what information are they withholding? Because I have colleagues in the government who are fully aware and were aware months before, for instance, the cardiotoxicity was disclosed, that the cardiotoxicity was an issue. What's, what I'm hearing now from multiple sources is that individuals are purchasing access, for instance, to the Medicare Medicaid database and high net worth individuals and are paying for biostatisticians to independently evaluate those. And in some cases, biostatisticians and data experts are doing this voluntarily because they're so concerned about what's going on. And what they're finding is that the CDC is grossly underreporting these key adverse events that in data that the US government produces that is readily available to the CDC and my colleagues, senior colleagues at the FDA, have known that this was the case for months and are very frustrated. This goes back to my interview with Tucker, where I, I that's, you know, another bomb I dropped is that these databases yep. are horrible. And, um, but even despite all their limitations, people with skill are able to data mine those and identify things like the cardiotoxicity that at the time the CDC denied existed. We have multiple examples where the CDC appears to be editing data in the support of this, you know, the, the noble lie. That, remember, going back to that, the core thesis is in, as I said, it's in the Federal Register. The core thesis is that any, I mean, any information that would cause vaccine hesitancy must be suppressed. That's what's going on. Let's be clear about that. And, and they believe that it is okay to do so because it's in the best interests of the public. This is classic noble lie logic. It's also happening in Israel. But this is a different time. People, uh, for right or wrong, they believe that they deserve to have access to all of these data make their own choices, exercise their own free will, not be forced into decisions by the government that uh, about risks that they don't fully understand. And, and yet the government believes that it is still okay to treat us in this paternalistic manner like they did back in the 50s, you know, the, you know as they say, right, treat us like a bunch of mushrooms. Uh, you understand the metaphor. 
uh, right. that's that's no longer okay in the modern age. But what's different now is that they have these enormously powerful mechanisms for controlling information they never had before. And that's this intersection of, of new media, old media, and big tech. And that that is what's going on here, and they've never had that level of power in their tools before. Real quickly, we've got about a minute here, and we'd love you to hold through the break too, but... but does the Pfizer situation with the booster, the difference between conspiracy theory and a fact now is about six months? Because remember, a couple of months ago, anybody would bring up the fact that you needed, we're going to need a booster or another shot was a conspiracy theorist. Is that get to your point about the novel, novel, novel lie? I mean, remember, they trashed everybody that even brought it up about potential say, booster. Tony, we got about Tony a minute. On, yeah, Tony jumped on Pfizer right away, right? Uh, and said, no, you can't say that. It, it, it was, it's an amazing demonstration of this in real time, where yep. the the leadership of Pfizer says, we're going to need a booster at six months because the durability of our vaccines are waning. By the way, that's exactly the window in antibody-dependent enhancement becomes the greatest risk, is during the waning phase of a vaccine. The Pfizer guy says, we got to do this to protect people. Tony jumps on him and says, no, I didn't allow you to say that. That's the paraphrase of what he did. And if you if you need yet another demonstration of Tony's willingness to distort the truth, there you got it. Okay, short commercial break. We're going to come back. We're going to try to get booted up. Finally, if you're still not convinced, I want you to consider this. Every one of the vaccines were either developed with or tested on aborted fetal cells. If you take this jab, you lose the right to curl your nose every time you hear another story about Planned Parenthood selling murdered baby parts, or about Pittsburgh University using your tax dollars to purchase the mutilated remains from infants slaughtered in their mother's womb. Many around the world are finding it difficult to keep a job, buy or sell without proof of vaccination. Is this the mark of the beast? Is it the sign of the Antichrist? I don't think so, but it could be the anti-communion. When we take communion, we receive the broken body and spilled blood of the Messiah. We proclaim his death and resurrection. We become one with him and with each other. If you receive the broken body and spilled blood of these unborn babies, the most innocent blood on the planet, you become one with those who killed them and with that dark spiritual power that will usher in the kingdom of the Antichrist. While I reject the COVID vaccine, I have taken other vaccines over my lifetime. Many of those were also developed using aborted fetal cells. I didn't know. But now that I do, I repent before God, and He's merciful to forgive me. But never again will I take a product that was developed using a murdered child. For some of you, taking that pledge may mean your job. But if you won't say no to the jab, do you really think you'll say no to the mark of the beast? Be honest with yourself and be honest with God. 1 John 2, 15 through 17 says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. 
and the world is passing away in the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. God bless you, and may he grant you wisdom and protection in these perilous times.